0: Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This is a podcast dedicated to providing you meaningful support to find great careers faster. And that's whether you're working or not. We are coming to you from the city of Portland, that is... The City of Roses. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we're talking about seasoned workers. Right. Those that have maybe lost their way professionally and found themselves feeling... Oh, I'm outdated. No one will hire me. I'm too experienced. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I can't find a job. Must be my age. Yeah, they didn't hire me because I'm too old. And it's discrimination. Uh, ageism. Ageism. You've been ageisted, oh, I guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that even a word? No. Ageisted? But we Maybe, just coined one. Yeah, there we go. How do you feel about that, Scott? When you've I've seen people, they still have gas in the tank, as they say. People are living longer and they're, they're dealing with these feelings. Right. Um, I I will admit, even in
1: my current job, I've said I I feel like a dinosaur because I don't use technology the way my younger colleagues do. I, I, I have to resist that even within my own head. The idea that I'm not good enough because I may look at things a little differently. It's a really important topic to turn that around. In our previous podcast, we talked about uh, standing guard uh, at, at the, the the entrance to our mind. You you gave the quote better than I did. Uh, the self talk and how we need to regulate this. Having experience, being a more seasoned professional is an advantage. It may be your competitive advantage. It may be true that some people just want to hire the inexperienced so they can mold them and pay them less, but it's been my observation that that is less true in the majority of times. They're really looking for fit, whether that's cultural fit, whether that is a skill gap fit, whether it's a style fit, whatever that is, they're looking for fit, not necessarily age. So if you are a seasoned professional, well, I'll just tell my story. The the job that I have now, which is a phenomenal job, I love what I do. And I'm so lucky that I get to say I love the work that I do. And I'm, I'm earning a living at doing what I love. So few people get to say that. I would not have had this job had I not had the conversation with a hiring manager about the fact that I was Overqualified. It was, I was applying for a coordinator position, an administrative assistant position. I had already applied for this job or at this company for a different position that was given to somebody whose skill set was so much better than mine. And I acknowledged that at the time. If, if I had been given the, the option to hire me or uh, this, this young person. woman, yeah. I, I would have gone with her because she had absolutely the skills that they needed and she's phenomenal to work with. Then I saw the, the admin assistant position come open. So I contacted the person with whom I'd interviewed the first time. And I asked, what are the chances that I would be considered for this job even though I'm overqualified? He responded because I'd had a good conversation with him. He went ahead, responded to me, and we talked about it. And he asked me, aren't you concerned about having, uh, about being overqualified?
0: And logical I, question, right? right? Totally logical question.
1: Because their fear is, oh, well, you're overqualified. You're going to quit this job as soon as you get another one. Because I was looking for work, right? I'd been laid off from a similar job, although with an organization I didn't really care for as well. So here was one that I, I knew culturally it would have been a better fit. And here I had an opportunity to talk to somebody who was very positive, very empathetic, great conversations that I had in the past. And he asked me, how would I feel? Because he wouldn't want to hire me into a position that I wasn't happy in, right? And I don't know what made me think of it, but I asked him off the cuff, how can I be overqualified if my qualifications can't get me an interview? And he thought about that. And to make a long story short, I got the interview. Well, the good news was they didn't hire me into that coordinator position. They started a higher position and hired me into it. It's one that they've been talking about but had not yet budgeted for. They got approval to use their budget in order to bring
0: me on. So you stuck your foot in the door. That's what you did. You just slipped it right in there. (laughs) But
1: I challenged the thought. Yeah. How is being overqualified a bad thing? It is. It's a value. It is a value. It should be a value. value.
0: It should be... Hey, for the amount of money I'm investing in you, I get more. Right. That's called value. Right. A
1: good value. And so that's where the conversation goes. I have skills that will benefit you. Whether or not you're going to pay me exactly what I want is not what I'm focusing on. Whether or not it's doing it at the level of leadership that I would like is not what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing in this conversation with you about how I can bring value to your team and your organization. And if I have superior skills, that is going to uh, preempt the or, or divert the
0: conversation
1: towards what i can offer versus what somebody with less experience can
0: i'm really struck by your level of candor and ability and willingness to challenge somebody that means you have a really strong mindset that you you knew what you wanted you Good saw point. what you wanted and you went after what you wanted and you did it in a positive
1: way and that part of that is knowing the audience I admit, I had already had several conversations with this guy who is a phenomenal leader. I work with him now. He is truly one of the best leaders I've ever worked for, and I've told him that, or worked with. I've I've expressed that to him. I had an advantage. If you know your audience, leverage that based on the other person's style. If they are direct, be direct. If they are, they prefer being indirect and, and more nuanced.
0: Um, and Yeah, I'm and,
1: thinking those whose style preference is really looking for harmony, present it in a harmonious fashion. Know your audience, read their style and try to present your ideas, but don't, don't avoid going for it. Let them know this is something I want to do. This is why I want to do it. This is why I get charged up doing it,
0: they are going to take you seriously. We talked about this in the prior episode, and I'll leave that in the show notes down below. The episode that uh, references mindset, because this is also a mindset deal. This is, if you think you're too old, you probably are. If you think you're overqualified, you probably are, right? So these are negative self-talks that you need to stand guard at and turn them around and say, no, I'm of high value, no, I have a lot to offer, no. I am an asset to a company. In fact, the companies I've worked for paid me for my experience. Right. So there's and somebody gave else. Me more. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I have this career where somebody paid me to get the experience I have. Right. Who gets to benefit from that? your next employer. Exactly. So instead of
1: looking at your level of experience, whether that's age, how long you've been in your career or in the industry, whatever it is, remember that is your competitive advantage. And if you present it as one, it will be perceived as one. I would go so far as to say it outright. My experience is my competitive advantage. I have the experience and adaptability to take what is relevant today and make it relevant for what happens tomorrow, because awesome. I have the benefit of a long-term view. Somebody half my age cannot have the wisdom that, come, that I bring to it because they don't have the long-term view that I have.
0: Much more strategic. So as somebody who is experienced, seasoned, whatever you want to call it, you have wisdom from experience. That can't be bought at a university, That also can't be found with people who are younger than you, who haven't had those life experiences. And think about this. It also doesn't include a lot of people who
1: have been in that company's workforce for a long period of time. I'm bringing in outside eyes. You know, it's a fresh view of things. And maybe I'll bring a perspective that they hadn't had before. I know that has been true for me in my current role. I've had a number of colleagues say, you know, that is really inventive. No one has brought that point of view. Again, it's another competitive advantage. And if you're working or targeting a company that deals with other people, which most of them do, there's a customer, right? Exactly. Now I bring a whole different
0: network. It's people they don't know. Well, this is where we talk about taking your experience knowing what you're good at and having a clear identity of who you are so that you can stick up for yourself. Right. Because I've seen this over and over again. These people I look at their resume and oh my goodness, Scott, they are exceptionally qualified. Very well qualified people. Lots of skill sets. But they get into a situation where somebody rejects them and they think it's because of their age or their over experience. Right. When truthfully they need to they need to stick up for themselves like you did and say no, this is what I bring to the table. Right. This is these are now sales skills. We talked about that before. Right. Is that I have these things I bring to the table, I want to leverage them in this role. I want to interview for this role. Be bold. Right.
1: And and of course that's going to be a fine line between bold and pushy. We want you to use your best judgment in that. Consider the person you're talking to, basically look well, at their how style you preference came to know and know them, yes. right? And so, so if
0: it I don't have any problem doing that with a recruiter.
1: Sure, right. Sure, but then you work with recruiters every day. You know your audience, yeah. and that's the point. As you stick up for yourself, for lack of a better phrase, that shows a level of confidence that those who don't have your experience probably won't have. For those who don't have experience, but they maybe have the, the you know, they're, they're fresh out of college, and so they have uh, the academic understanding, that's great but they will not be able to speak from the same position of confidence because they don't have that experience. They're looking to gain their experience. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If some of our listeners are fresh out of college looking for it, don't be afraid to tout your academic knowledge and that you're interested in gaining experience where you don't have it. Give me a chance is basically what you're saying. That is a valuable message to send. But for those who have years of experience and are prone to look at themselves as having that liability that, oh, they're going to think I want too much money or they're going to think that I'm stuck in my old ways. Here's your opportunity to change that conversation, to make that experience your
0: competitive advantage. It will work for you if you stick up for it. That's a good point. What I would add to that is you don't, much like um, we talked about this earlier, where you have gaps in employment, and we'll leave that episode in the show notes. I think that's uh, zero to five. Uh, we talk about people who've been out of work for a long time or had a break. Right. And the idea there is you don't have to share everything you ever did. The resume is not a catalog. It's not even a, what it's do you not call the it? a biography. Right. It's not your life's memoirs, right? Correct. It's, it's a snapshot it's a brochure of your strengths related to what you want to do next exactly so even though you have all this experience you don't you're not under any obligation to share all of it
1: right When you get to the application process and they want a a full accounting of the last 10 years, by all means, be honest with that. Don't lie. But your resume is really designed to be a marketing piece. It's how you brand yourself. What are the skills that are relevant to what it is that you're doing? And that's why we talk about Uh, taking the time to customize your resume for the audience, in this case, the, the company that you're applying to, customize your resume so it's talking about things the way they need to hear it because they're looking for something. Their job descriptions are usually wish lists, but they're using language that is important to them. But it doesn't have to be everything you've ever done. When you ask, or you're looking at your resume and it's
0: bleeding over into three and four pages 25, 30 years experience. Right. Uh, And you're even starting your resume that way 25 years experience.
1: Right. We generally tell people don't talk more than 10 to 12 years of your experience, because you're going to trigger those ideas for those who are less informed in the recruiting process. But what you do want to do is to talk about the things that are relevant to the job that you're applying for. Or if you're just networking, have a resume that highlights the things that you know you're good at and the things that you want to be doing in your future.
0: Those conversations will lead you in the right directions. What problem do you solve? That's what you should focus on. Sure. Not how much experience you have, because I know you and I both know people who have lots of experience that they're not very good. Sure. They're just not good at what they say they're good at. Yeah. And so they may have mountains of experience, but they're not good at it. If you can identify the problem that you're good at solving... And can demonstrate or describe the successes you've had with that, then you're at an advantage. Right. The other thing to think about here is certainly resumes and applications are important. I wouldn't say they're all important. We shouldn't overlook the value of networking. And somebody in your circle now, even though you're seasoned and maybe have 25, 30 years experience, you have built a reputation with that person. Right. I would go back and think, okay. Uh, Who are some of the greatest people I mentored or mentored me? Who are some of the people that um, I had an opportunity to meet throughout my career that had an impact? I've already built a reputation with those people. So getting networking started is a whole lot easier if you have more experience. Right. Because you probably have met and known and worked with more people. How can I
1: offer recommendations or help to others out there because the chances are pretty good that will make them more likely to think of you as opportunities for you pop into their heads. I'm thinking about uh, a couple of friends of mine that have I've received, and this is within the last six months, uh, two of my my former colleagues who are now friends contacted me to ask if I would be willing to serve as references for them. In both cases, their current employer was future employer called me to get a reference. Okay, but in both cases, they got the job, and I, I can't say it was because of what I said, but I know that what I said helped them. It was influential with the 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 hiring manager that called to ask for that reference. Um, those are the people that I now turn to as I want to build my network and and grow it larger, expanding my my reach. These are the people that I reach out to, not because they owe me something, but because there's a really good feeling that goes back and forth. They are far more likely to think of me as
0: these opportunities come up. Givers gain. It's just the law of reciprocity as long as it's done with the best of intentions. You know, when we talked about networking, sometimes if you if you really experienced and you have i don't want to say an inflated egotistical view of your experience like you're too good for something i think the idea here is you want to make sure that you're not just focusing on the value of your experience and just doing the online applications right and thinking that's good enough Uh, if you've been in the marketplace a long time and not done any networking I can see why you don't really want to focus on the applications. Right. But the idea here is we need to get out and meet people.
1: If you haven't been networking, you've been in your job for a while, you're you're maybe you're you're just unemployed for the first time in many years. This hasn't been your um, bailiwick to, to get out and network, or maybe you were really good at networking and then you got the job, and you were in it for a while, and you let that network go, it's probably going to serve you better to restart that network because it's really about, if, if you have a good reputation, getting that back onto the radar. If you don't have a reputation at all, getting one on the radar with people is going to become important. It's not, I mean, it's true that it, it's who you know, but it's not just because people are playing political games. It really is about, I know that this person is going to be good in this job and having those voices be the ones that get heard elsewhere is going to drive your networking.
0: And the more confidence they have in you, the more confident they'll be able to recommend you to opportunities inside or outside their company.
1: And when those recommendations come to to fruition and you get that conversation with the person when they see that your confidence matches the confidence of the people that recommended you, they are going to believe
0: validation. They're gonna believe you. So again, if you haven't done a lot of networking, the idea here is make the conversations with people that you know about them and their their process since you last met them it might be that that network has gone stale or cold, and you need to reinvigorate it. Um, so just make the conversation about them and, and not your need for employment or the fact right. that your, your self-talk is telling you that you're not getting hired because of your age. And we've talked about it before, but if you're working on
1: something uh, that may not be uh, a paid position, but you've got a project going, because we, we recommend to people, if you're not currently working, be working on something because it gives you something to talk about that you're passionate about. So as you're doing this, you're talking about these things, remember that even though you're not getting paid, it's a full-time job. Networking is a full-time job even if you are working. It's important that you're keeping yourself in, in touch with the world around you. If you are getting ready to retire, that's going to be a different story. But most of us in this situation, even though we have years of experience, we aren't ready necessarily to retire in the short term. So we want to keep our networks going, keep them active, keep them up to date so that anytime you have to bridge a gap, you're going to be having the the most effective conversations.
0: Well, that does it for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. We have all the show notes and resources at JobSeekersRadio.com forward slash 026. Yeah, and remember, the resources you get here are free. Free of charge. Free of charge. It's our gift
1: to you. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. We
0: want to acknowledge your investment
1: of time and your attention. We
0: really appreciate it. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to get future episodes. While you're there, please do us a favor and provide some feedback through the rating and review system there on iTunes. Yeah. And if you have questions that you want us to answer, we'd love to
1: do more podcasts that simply answer the questions that you have. So feel free, send us a message, find out uh, what it is that you need to know about networking, about job searching, whatever that looks like. We'd love to help you.
0: That does it for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. Until next time. Bye-bye, everybody.